0: From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 297. Today's show is brought to you by PDF Pen from Smile, Pingdom, and DoorDash. My name is Mike Curley. I am joined by the intrepid Jason Snow. Hello, Jason Snow. <laughs> do,
1: do, do, do. Intrepidly yours, Mike. Hi, how are you?
0: I am very well, my friend. Very well indeed. Big show, action packed, as they say today. We start, Yeah. as we always do, have a hashtag Talk question. And this one comes in from Chris. Chris wants to know, Jason. While you're working in your office, do you ever open the garage door for an open air Hawaiian lanai style vibe? Hmm. So it's very descriptive. I enjoyed this one, you know?
1: Yes. Uh the answer is no. If I want to work outside, I go outside. Right. Ah
0: yes. Don't bring the outside to you, Jason. Go to the outside.
1: Right, because I-, I still have like a curtain and a giant set of metal shelving between me and the outside, so it's not even if I move the curtains and stuff, it's like it's not super pleasant. Um, I have opened the garage door and, and and worked before, but it's mostly because it's intolerably hot. If it gets mm. intolerably hot in here and it is cooler outside, I will sometimes do that. The problem is when I do that, then there's bugs in my office for Ew. some unknown amount of time. Because and in the house, because then I'll open the door to the house, and uh, when I'm done, even after I've closed the garage door, but the g- bugs will come in here, and then they go in there, and then there's like and flies Jason. and stuff around. As we and know, I don't like bugs.
0: Bugs in your office can lead to repairs required. Do you remember the spider?
1: Well, the spiders are always with me. No Oh,
0: please don't. But anyway, if people don't remember. Uh, Jason wrote a great article once. I'm Sure, we spoke about it on the show too. When you had a spider stuck in your screen, <laughs> yes. tiny one, tiny one. Yeah, yeah, I had to had to do
1: an IMAX screen replacement. But no, the the spiders. I mean, there are going to always be spiders in my office. But but like flying, like flying bugs and stuff. Mm come in when the garage doors open it's no good so uh so no i i don't generally do that that's a good question because i do have uh unlike many most people i my my office place has a giant roll up door (laughs) to the outside world Mm -hmm. it's true uh but it's not that it's not it's not as great as it sounds it's not as spectacularly fantastic as the as it sounds to have a garage door in your office so i just go outside, sit in a chair, if yeah. it was nice out.
0: We'll talk about those chairs a little bit later on in the episode. Mm. <laughs> Fun times. Uh, if you would like to send in uh, a question to start off the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag SnellTalk, and it may be considered for a future episode. Um, I wanted to provide a little bit of follow-out, uh, more about Relay FM membership. We've got a lot going on right now. We published... Um, I don't like the phrase like open letter, but I can't think of another phrase like we. Basically, we wrote something that we want you to read about. We're calling it moving forward here at Relay FM. Uh, basically, we spent a lot of time over the last month or so thinking about our membership program because we are in a time where businesses need to adapt their business models, and so we want to be able to do that. And so, one of the things that we're doing is doubling down on our most important thing, which is our listeners. Like, we are here, and Jason pointed this out when we were talking about this with him while working on this letter, right? Like, Relay FM is here because of you, the listener, and the strong connection that we have with you. So we want to continue to put more focus on providing an even better experience for those of you who decide to support us directly. Basically, if you not only decide to support us with your time, but also your hard-earned money, we want to be able to give you more for that. And we're working on lots of really great ideas. Like I am actually very excited about this. Uh, We started late today because me and Stephen we have a call on Mondays, which uh, I always have before recording Upgrade. And we were late today because we were work. I was late for Upgrade today because we were working on some great stuff. And Stephen, my co-founder, made the point that we haven't worked as hard or as like frenzied right now as we have since the beginning. But it's great. Like, I feel a renewed sense of excitement for what Relay FM can be because of this. Like, this doesn't have to be a bad thing because the world's changing around us. Like, we're going to use this as a time to make everything better. Like, that's the plan. So, the first step of our renewed membership focus is we have created a Discord server for Relay FM members. This is a private community where like-minded people can come together in a safe, moderated environment to talk about the things that they love and to make connections with other people like them. So right now, we are streaming this show live, as we always do, at 9am Pacific, noon Eastern, every Monday. And we have a live chat. And now the live chat is also occurring in the Discord, and that's where I'm looking at it. But there are Lots of wonderful topics to talk about, and hundreds we have we have nearly a thousand people in there already um, so if you are an relay FM member, you should have gotten an email about this. so all existing relay FM members look out for an email or you can contact us if you need to, but basically everyone who is a member can get access to the discord server. If you become a member, you'll get an email about it when you sign up so you can join. Um, basically we want to create something which is fun and moderated. That's why we use Discord over Slack. Um Slack has no moderation tools at all. Right, because it's a
1: it's a workplace tool. Yes. You're not supposed to mute um or ban uh people in your no. office. Right? Like
0: I've spoken for years, like people have asked us for years about having a community. Um and when we were first launching the membership, there wasn't I wasn't comfortable with the tools out there, like Discord then didn't have as great tools as it has now. And basically, that's the reason because Discord realized, I assume, we can't compete with Slack. Let's make a product which is similar but focuses in different areas. And they've really focused on having communities. So we have a team of wonderful moderators there. And we're building like I'm something I'm super excited about. Like It has been a wonderful weekend. We launched this on Friday. And it's been amazing to watch this thing grow. So it would mean a lot to us if you signed up to become a RelayFM member. Especially, I will speak for me and Jason. If you choose to support upgrade with that membership, there is a link in the show notes to do so. You can just click that. You support upgrade. You give us some money every month. You get a bunch of great benefits and now access to the Relay FM Discord server. Or you can go to relay.fm/slash membership to learn more. Uh, thank you for this time. I will say. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's uh we do we do some extra stuff during the year and uh are planning what we're going to be doing uh mm-hmm. next so you get some podcasty kind of bonuses to listen to yep. as well as the the community. And I've I've been I've had little communities for uh six colors members and uh incomparable members mm-hmm. uh, for the last couple of years and those have actually turned out to be pretty great uh, spaces and the relay Discord is looking like it's going to be that too.
0: Yep, very 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 happy with it so far. Should we do some more follow up, follow out, Jason?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, this is the time for it. If we don't do it now, they're not going to let gonna us. Do the it. podcast
0: police aren't going to let us do it later. Uh, I know that you wanted, uh, that you put in here that there was a great, there was a great interview on App Stories uh, with uh, Craig Federighi joining Federico, so Federighi Federico Part 2. Uh, they spoke last year at WWDC, but now they spoke prior to WWDC. And the focus yeah. of the interview was about the cursor support. And iPad OS. Yeah,
1: it's the. Um, I like this interview, and what I was thinking while I was listening to it is, you know, there there's the group of us who write or talk about these issues, and and we spend all our time thinking about issues involving Apple and products and and their product philosophy and stuff like that. And Federico and I talk about uh, iPad keyboards and mice and things like that, and we you know back and forth. And there's a, there's a group of us. The thing is, there is this other group of people who spend all their time thinking about this, and they never talk about it except amongst themselves, and we never get to talk to them, and that's mm-hmm. the people who make this stuff at Apple. And they do carefully consider a lot of the same things we're talking about, they talk about and consider. And so this is a great like breaking of that wall where we, uh, you know, Federico and Craig got to talk to each other, and it's very clear from that conversation just... How much they considered all these issues um, before making their decisions, and I think that not only is it fun to to see that interaction, but it's also a reminder that um, it's you know really easy to see Apple do something and say I can't believe they didn't think of or you know this is so lazy or whatever, and and that is almost never the case. It's more that they they made a decision you disagreed with. And they have their reasons or because some other circumstances going on. But it's hard to listen to Craig Federighi and not get the sense that there are a lot of people at Apple who are very carefully considering all of the issues involved in doing something like adding a pointer to iPad OS.
0: Yeah, and I really like what you said there about like there are people that are thinking about this so much because they're making it and it can be very helpful To just hear people, these people talk about their thought processes that lead them to this, or also like things like I really liked the conversation they were having about how the trackpad could change pro apps, and Federighi was talking about the fact that like yes, maybe, but they want all apps to be considered to be usable in every mode, right? Like they don't want. Uh, like Photoshop to have such tiny icons that only the cursor can use them. Right. Like, and, and so it was useful to hear that because there may have been some people that were starting to potentially go off on a road like, oh, I'm going to make an app that's just for cursor support. It's like, don't do that. Right. Like, you should make an application that's useful in all modes. You know, maybe it works better in one or the other, but should be usable everywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a, a great conversation that what I really liked about it is it reflected a lot of the stuff that we've kind of reverse engineered out here on the outside about the iPad as a flexible thing and it's touch first, but you have to have these other modes and that that's one of the values of it is you can mode shift and all that. And so to hear Craig Federighi talk about it, it's like, yes, okay. <laughs> it's like, they thought about it. We thought about it. We're thinking the same things like that it's reassuring in some way that mm-hmm. these things are happening in parallel because it means that our read on it about how this product is being used and how we're using it because all we all we can base it on is what the product is and how we use it and our desires for it. Mm-hmm. And they, on the inside, have the ability to steer it, um, but they have to have those discussions about where they want to steer it and what is their guiding philosophy. And I was encouraged by the fact that it seems that um, that Apple views the iPad at least based on Federigi's comments. In a very similar way to the way that people like me and uh, and, and Federico view it,
0: which is good. Just take your minds back to October 2018. Oh no. Where Good we, time. We were outside. <laughs> we were asked, what I liked about the... I just I opened the link here to add it to the show notes in the beginning of the description for the episode of Upgrade that we're about to refer to, 213, was this yes. week Jason and Mike discussed where the iPad Pro might go next, including Ooh. whether it's a primarily horizontal or vertical design, device uh-huh. and if adding a USB-C port makes sense. The answer uh-huh. is yes to all of that. I'm just going to assume yeah. that we were very prophetic in that episode.
1: I'm sure. But the most important thing that happened in that episode is that I told the story about not getting a bunch of stuff from Ikea mm-hmm. uh, for my outdoor furniture. Which is, you
0: know, <laughs> similar in its in its uh, kind of oh, yeah. idea to the Drobo discussion last week.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was, in in that I got to start talking and you got to go, like, pour yourself a cup of tea. And, I'm
0: always here, Jason. I never leave. Sweep the floors never and just leave. do whatever just else you needed to do. And I'm listening, you know, and I'm uh-huh. pondering. Never leave. Uh-huh. This makes it sound like I do leave. I literally never leave. All right. Okay you just you can kick back. Yeah, I knock my like chair down a f- like you know you've got like the the height adjustment, the angle adjustment and lock that down a couple of points so I can uh-huh, lean sure. back and just go for it. Yeah,
1: it's like it's like the chair equivalent of loosening a tie.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: You like I I'm going to settle in here mm-hmm. for this story. So Go listen to episode 213 if you haven't. That, you can hear us talk about the iPad Pro. Maybe we were right. Maybe we were wrong. And you can also hear about my adventure with Ikea, where I didn't get all the cushions for this. And the people told me online that I could – or told me I could go online, people at the store, and fill the rest of my order, which turned out to be a horrible lie. And uh, I, so I had furniture that didn't have cushions on it or was missing cushions. And in the end, it all worked out in the sense that a listener in Norway – found the cushion covers because uh, i had the cushions but not the covers for them and i i sent him money and he sent me norwegian ikea cushion
0: covers mm-hmm. the best ones
1: in all of this i got a ten dollar credit from ikea for me apologizing for the fact that they took my order and claimed that it was about to ship and it spent an entire summer not shipping because they didn't actually have it um and uh it turns out I was still short one pillow and one cover from twenty eighteen. There was one I, I didn't buy enough of the pillows of the cushions. So last year went by and I just forgot and never bothered to check. But this year I thought, oh, let's see if a frozen because this was frozen quest twenty eighteen. If a frozen uh, cover and a Dov-Holman, uh push uh, cushion are available on Ikea.com because we're locked down. I'm not going to go to my local Ikea. And they were, and I ordered them, and I found in my email the the gift card code from Ikea from Frozen Quest 2018, um, and I placed an order. And that was April. <laughs> um, it showed up yesterday. Mm-hmm. Two boxes uh, with the Frozen and the Dove Holman. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now I have a slightly darker final piece of the puzzle cushion slightly darker because the other ones have faded in the sunlight in the in the ensuing year but um but i'm, I'm at full power with my backyard furniture and i thought everybody should know so there you go frozen quest 2020 not as exciting
0: i placed no. an order
1: and it showed up
0: <laughs> yeah it's not really so much of a quest really it's just frozen expected 2020
1: yeah i mean to be fair ikea has nothing
0: else to do right now than yeah. fulfill online orders yeah. but they did you say that though but and they're still not very good at it. I've I've received no. similar oh, credit. No. I've received similar credit in the past. Not recently, not recently. No, they're 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 terrible at it, and.
1: I'm not going to go into the details, other than to say that I mean I did wait a month with minimal, com- com- like we're we're so used to this was the point of Frozen Quest uh, 2018. It's like we're so used to like Amazon telling you every step of the process, yep. and I think that's up the game for a lot of e-commerce vendors. IKEA is still like got it, and then there's just silence, and then a month passes, and you get an email that says shipped it, and that's it. <laughs> that's all they do. So that that month of silence passed, but it, it, they. To their credit, they actually had the thing they claimed they had, and they shipped it to me, and now I have it. So no uh, Norwegian imports required this time. Wonderful. <laughs> we can entertain in our backyard now. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> I have one other tale, a mini miniature tale of woe to share with you. Okay. So I bought the iPhone... 10, as we all did in the fall of 2017. Remember, it came out after the iPhone 8, mm-hmm. but it came out, and we placed our orders. And I believe I actually placed my order uh, on the East Coast, um, so I had to get up at 5 a.m. or whatever, like, or, or at 8 a.m. No, it was the luxury, or no, it was stay up till 3 a.m. That's what it was back then. I got, I was punished for being on the East Coast, and all the East Coasters laughed at me and said, "See what it's like." And that, then they changed it so it's 5 a.m. Pacific, so I get to see how it's like every time. Anyway, um this weekend. So I, I rolled that down. Um, I have, I bought uh, an 11 pro. So my wife has the 10 that I bought. Mm-hmm. And, um, so she and my daughter left the area for the first time in nine weeks to go pick up my daughter's stuff, which is still sitting in her dorm room. Mm. We had a deadline of like, you need out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about an eight-hour drive up there, so they drove up, there eight hours, went to the dorm, packed up the stuff, slept, moved the stuff to the car, and came home. It was a, you know, a whole operation. On the drive up, literally, you know, the first time she's been away from home at any length for, uh, you know, for all this time, she notices that the uh, the screen has basically popped out of the iPhone, mm. and apparently the battery in the iPhone X uh swelled. It did one of those things like a like a star that's going to go supernova where it's just like I'm going to just get start getting big. I'm going to puff up big. It's Liftoff Podcast. Read all here, listen all about uh, supernovas on the Liftoff Podcast. Um it's bad. It's bad, right? Like and what what the timing of it? Like in literally any other day in the last 8 weeks it would be fine, but but she's driving away from home. So my daughter's got her phone because she's 18. So mm-hmm. she's got a phone. It's fine. Um but uh, so I, what do I do? Well, I've got, I can't help her. Right? She's like, "What do we do?" I'm like, "Nothing." It's I, I can't. There's no buttons to push to make the battery deflate. It just is broken now. So I did get ahead on the on the replacement. So I I uh, went to Apple. I actually did their text uh tech
0: support. Oh right, the business. Chat. Um,
1: no, this was like their web interface. Oh okay, uh, the worst one. Yeah yeah, the worst one. Yeah, the yeah. worst one. Um, and they wanted like the serial number and the IMEI number, which I was able to look up on appleid.apple.com, which lists all of the phones that are logged in with a particular ID. They needed me to erase the phone and delete it from, uh, my account in order to do like basically turn off find my, because they want that off. Um, and of course the phone wasn't with me, but I was able to do that remotely Uh, And then they asked me if I wanted to bring it into a store. And I I said, those stores aren't open. They're like, ah, yes. Uh, We have no way to tell when stores will be open. So you can just mail it. We'll send you a box and you can mail it in. I'm like, all right. Mm -hmm. So they're apparently sending me a box. And they said, we'll send you an email with details about payment, which I thought was interesting, a way of phrasing it. Like, they're they're not going to make me pay on the text chat. They won't tell me what I need to pay. And I'm sitting there thinking... Why am I paying? This seems like a really bad battery problem. That I know it's out of warranty. It's a it's a two plus year old phone, two and a half year old phone. But your your battery should probably not explode well, like it's this, dangerous. But, like they've yeah, they you it is dangerous.
0: Created like an explosive device that is just being driven around California. Exactly.
1: Not not too explosive because they're willing to have me put it in a box and put it through the mail. But still, it's it's it makes me uneasy. Mm. Anyway, it doesn't matter because I got the email like an hour later, and it said uh, basically. <laughs> you don't have to pay for this. <laughs> just yeah. put it in the box and we'll. So, you know, anyway, it's funny because that, that, uh, two and a half years since I, I bought that iPhone and, and one day it just decided to, its battery just decided to swell and expand. It's I'm intrigued good. to see Bad what timing. that
0: box looks like that they send you. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure people who've done um, mail repairs have seen this before, but it's, yeah, it's going to be an empty box with padding probably and then and, mm. and a label that you stick on the, and it's resealable, and a label you stick on the outside and then give it to your, your UPS guy when he comes by and he takes it away. We'll see. I'll I'll keep you updated, but it was just the timing of it and the fact that, that a, a relatively young iPhone had this, uh, battery i've had this in laptops before but i've never seen it in a uh in an ios device before
0: yeah it's not good not good don't don't like that don't like battery swelling that's not that's not my favorite
1: no thing. it's really disturbing and of course mm. they're in the middle of a long drive and i'm like well i hope it doesn't if it explodes roll down the window it catches fire roll down the window and throw it out of the car i guess <laughs> but
0: like yeah and they would be easier to return then you know, it'd be a burnt-out star at that point. They did start asking me as a part of this, like, is there any water damage? Is there
1: a-? actually the first question was, is it damaged in any way? And I said, well, the screen got pushed out by the <laughs> swelling battery. And they're like, other than that, I'm like, no. And then and then they specifically asked, is there water damage? I said, no. I'm like, all right. I said, I sent you a picture <laughs> of the swollen battery. Like, all right, okay, it's going to be okay. But huh. what the time? Any literally any other day uh, out of the I last know. nine weeks.
0: Maybe that's mm. what it was, you know, it's just like oxygen or something just, just
1: I, I was I really. was thinking, you know, what is it like it left home and it, and it had to use the battery, uh, you know, although they're in the car with a charger and all that. I don't know. I don't know what did it. It's just bad luck.
0: This episode is brought to you by DoorDash. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give a, give yourself one less thing you have to worry about. Let DoorDash take care of your next meal. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food that you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. You just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over three hundred thousand partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-to's or choose from your favorite national restaurants like chipotle wendy's and the cheesecake factory i've used DoorDash when i've been in the states super easy to use the app is great and the choice is amazing and being able to have food delivered to your home is a really wonderful thing at any point but it's really excellent right now Uh, yeah especially now yeah because you get to have more choice right like you get to break your typical meals that you cook um, you, and you also, something I love, you get to support the businesses that are local in your area that are remaining open right. for takeout. So that's super, super awesome. Uh, right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more and zero delivery fees for their first month, for your first month, when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code UPGRADE. That is $5 off your first order and zero delivery fees for a month when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and use the code upgrade don't forget upgrade it's the name of the show that's the promo code five dollars off your first order from doordash our thanks to doordash for their support of this show and all of relay fm should we do some upstream headlines i've got a few for you okay uh, apple's been doing more content deals Um, So they have three. They have a two-year content deal with Annie Weissman, or Weissman. I'm not sure which one it is, but uh, Weissman worked on Desperate Housewives and is also the creator of the upcoming TV Plus show, Physical. So uh, Weissman has been working with Apple already, and there's actually a couple of these. And it's like, oh, now we'll just sign you up for a few years. Another one of these is Kerry Aaron, who is the showrunner for The Morning Show. Uh, Aaron has also signed a multi-year overall content deal with Apple. So that's like locking up some more people that they've worked with. They think they're great. So it's like, all right, you're going to stick around. Um, Apple have also hired Alison Kirkham, who is the quote-unquote factual controller at the BBC, which is a very strange way to say that uh, Kirkham was in charge of commissioning documentaries. (laughs) So do
1: they... (laughs) Did she battle the forces of confusion and delay? Was that what she was doing, like, on the, on the <laughs> I, railroad? Possibly. What, I mean, I'm not... But factual
0: this is This is the thing the about... Fa-
1: the fact controller. The fact controller. It's fact no, top of no. my hat.
0: <laughs> it's the top of my hat. Well we'll to go back to that again. You are causing confusion and delay. Factual controller. Like, this is one of those phrases that shows how old the BBC is, right? And they just <laughs> never changed the name. It's yes. such a strange way of saying, like, documentary commissioner, but uh factual controller. Uh the new this factual controller is now moved to uh Apple instead. Which I guess is just key to say that Apple wants to do more documentaries and, and like uh non fiction, I guess. Did we have a title for her? Or is she gonna be the factual controller at Apple? <laughs> From everything no. that I've read that there, there isn't like there's a title a name, but like That's we'll be it. working on that type of content that right like that it's uh, she, she's going to be joining the global team at apple tv plus and will be reporting into the european director uh, but basically it's going to be unscripted original series of films all right
1: okay and people can tune into that uh A B-side episode that we'll put a link to in the show notes where we discussed in detail the history and uh, naming and family of Sir Topham Hatt from Thomas. four minutes of fun. Uh,
0: (laughs) From 2015. We're really just reaching into the archives today.
1: We are. This is a retrospective Mm -hmm. uh, episode as we move toward episode 300.
0: The Oscars is being forced to adapt as much as it can possibly resist at the same time. So because movie theaters are closed... Uh, Oscars consideration this year will consider movies that haven't played in theatres, but that movie must prove that it had a planned theatrical release. <laughs> so there you go. It's just like drag, like just being dragged, kicking and screaming, the film industry uh, into the future. But that's how they're going to deal with the Oscars this year. I'm expecting there will be no Oscars as well, right? I don't know how they're going to deal with that part yet. Like there's not going to be a event like
1: yeah i don't know there might be but it may be you know a a uh, limited we'll see who knows what the world's going to look like next march right we, we have no idea but it's oh, possible yeah, that they will so have a, a socially distant mm-hmm. oscars um to honor the eight movies that came out last year
0: right <laughs> the three movies that made it into cinemas yeah <laughs> that's right it's uh the oscars in 2021 are going to be the fun part right it's going to be like people's home movies <laughs> There's going to be no movies. It's no movies. It's TikToks. Mostly it's TikToks. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Apple and COVID-19. They have awarded $10 million to a company called Copan Diagnostics. This money has come from their Advanced Manufacturing Fund, which, if that rings a bell, it is the same fund that they gave a bunch of money to Corning, the glass, the Gorilla Glass people. Uh, so basically, Apple set up a fund that they were going to be giving to companies to help them with their manufacturing. And also, like, I mean, in the case of Corning, Apple would also significantly benefit from that arrangement, like Corning make the glass that goes on the front of their iPhones. Now, this one is obviously, I think, a little bit more altruistic um, because Copan uh, Diagnostics, their whole thing is to work on sample collection kits in the U.S., so... Um, basically for testing, right? They they create testing materials like medical testing. So yeah. obviously this is going to be used for and is and Copan stuff is already being used for um, coronavirus testing. But Apple is going to be able to help them ramp up from producing thousands of kits a week to over a million a week by July, which is a very very steep curve. I want to give a quote from the press release. Apple is sourcing equipment and materials for Copan Diagnostics from companies across the U.S., um, and then including equipment that Apple is helping design as well. Uh, I read uh, an article from John, John Gruber linked to this on during Fireball, and basically pointed out that possibly the operational assistance from Apple is worth more than the ten million dollars, really, right? But, interesting. So this is, if we remember, cast our minds back a few weeks ago to when Tim Cook said that Apple would do the things that it's best at. This is probably one of those things, right? Like they can help here by helping a company that is needed for testing ramp up their uh, production because Apple knows how to produce stuff. Yeah, so. I, I'm. it's
1: an interesting one. And I do keep coming back to... You know, it, there is some altruism in it. There is some positive PR in it. I do wonder if there is also some angle. I mean, because, you know, Apple Apple wants to do good, but Apple is also a huge profit-driven corporation. Yeah. Um, I, My gut feeling is that this... Apple wants to be a major player in health, right? Mm-hmm. The The Apple Watch has led them to be very interested in being a major player in health... And pushing technology and their technology into the health industry mm-hmm. in order, you know, they will say to improve people's health, right? And the Apple Watch has been very successful at that. And I wonder I wonder if that's also part of this is being a good member of the health industry yep. means doing things like this. I'll so. be
0: honest, like I, I haven't looked into Copan enough to know if they have like other arms of their business that would be more helpful to Apple, um, but the main thing that they seem to be known for is their physical testing abilities. But you're right. It might be that either A, there's something about that company that can be useful for the future, or B, that they want to be seen in the global health community as a company that can be trusted, a company that is serious. Yeah. And so, as a leader. Yeah, as and as a leader. That's a very good point. There is still a lot of uncertainty around the exposure notification API adoption. So this is contact tracing. I don't want to get into all of this, um, but basically to say there are many countries that agree it's an approach that they may consider. Apple and Google's joint effort. There are countries pushing ahead with their own options. Just completely ignoring it some of these countries like my own say uh or uh, re- there are reports that they're looking into switching to apple system anyway even though they're developing their own system they're like feasibility studies being done and there are some countries like germany that have already adopted apple's approach and have an app in development and they're going to be pushing it out as soon as it's available one of the things that i have learned looking into Just this stuff today, really. I mean, I've been paying attention to it, but just reading the links that I'm putting in the show notes is that there's a lot of politics wrapped up in this. Oh, yeah. And I think we're going to have to see how this fares over the next few months. My read on this is a lot of the countries, including my own right now, that are saying they're going to do their own thing will change course. And I expect it's going to be at the second stage of the API when it's built into the operating system. right? If you remember, there's the first stage, which is you have to have an app, and then the API will be able to talk with the app, and then the apps can exchange their identifiers. And then there is the second stage where the identifiers are being drawn anyway, and then you can download an app later and put in your symptoms and say that you've been tested or whatever, and then it can uh, retroactively alert people. right? There's this two-stage approach. So I expect that by that second stage, I would really expect most countries to have moved to the Apple Google system because there are going to be significant issues of any application that is trying to do this Bluetooth exchange stuff without Apple and Google's blessing. And the UK government is saying a lot of interesting things about the way that their app's going to work in ways that seem to be counter to what I believe, how I believe iOS works. So we're going to have to wait and see about all of that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this is still a really like moving thing. Like it is in a lot yeah. of flux. I mean, and honestly, like if you think as of right now, the first stage of this is not even publicly available anyway. So. Right.
1: They're, they're beta testing it. It'll be out soon, the mm-hmm. first stage. But yeah, we, we there'll be another update that has to happen after that for it to be at the OS level. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's. I saw a note this week that, uh, that made me scratch my head a little bit where somebody said, um, Apple and Google's effort here is an attempt to impose American values on the rest of the world. Those values being privacy. And security, and and their argument was: Look, if the government wants to know everything about you and where you go and what you do in the middle of a public health crisis, you should just give it to them. And as an American, I think hmm, no, but yes, you're right. In a way, they are imposing American values over uh, other cultures and countries that might have values that don't include the privacy of their of their people. But you know, the truth is <laughs> that they are also imposing their corporate values. And um, I I guess I would say this is one of those cases where I'm glad that the companies that run the dominant um, smartphone platforms on the world care about this stuff. They they care enough that they want to build a system that does both contact tracing data, background data for contract tracers and keep it private and not make it a surveillance tool. But I can see the other side, which is, but it's a crisis. Make it a surveillance tool, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and that my point here is that although I found that statement bizarre, um, although accurate in a way, right? That that it it is sort of one of our values, I think, uh, of a lot of countries, not just America, to say, oh, you know, people have rights and uh, should have a right to privacy, but even in a health crisis, but we also need to solve the health crisis but it shows you just how much politics and it's in individual politics like right? the reason the UK is doing what it's doing has a lot to do with the dynamics in the UK mm-hmm. and UK politics the reason the US is doing what it's doing or not doing as the case may be is has a lot to do with internal politics so that's the other challenge with a global threat like this is that everybody's reacting differently to it and that includes their reactions to Google and Apple
0: and i understand like it is difficult And I'm sure it's very difficult as, like, world leaders to accept Tim Cook and Sundar Pichai to tell them what to do, right? Like, it's counter to everything that they have believed in leading up to the point that they became the politicians that they are, right? That no corporation's going to tell a country what to do. But, I, I mean, I think we both agree that it's probably the better way to do it. Uh, at least it's the way I feel yeah. more comfortable with. I don't f- feel completely comfortable with j- the government running this system.
1: And the, well, first off, yes, I, I actually trust the uh, tech companies to build a system fast over a giant government bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. But also... It's not an either-or proposition, and that's part of what bugs me about some of these debates about this is Apple and Google want to do something that gives everybody useful data and is private. Mm-hmm. It's not and, – and you get the sense – okay, maybe I'm projecting here, but I get the sense that some of the people who are arguing for expediency don't really mean it because they're they're making this kind of false, false case, this false choice, which is, well, you could have privacy or you could have public health, and you have to choose – and what I appreciate about the approach Apple and Google has taken is that they're trying to say, and, and you know it may not be the right approach, and there may be technical details that are problematic, and we'll see how they roll it out. But what they're trying to do is say, you can do both. We can keep it private and help it contribute to public health. And you don't need to turn into a surveillance state where every single phone is tracking everybody's location mm-hmm. and everybody they interact with in order to protect the public health. And I appreciate that because... I don't like the idea of having to choose between privacy and public health because that's a very hard decision, right? And we we've seen it in the past. You you give away some of your rights in order to protect the public good. Um, I would also argue that if it if if this kind of stuff is seen as a mass surveillance tool, you're going to lose a percentage of the population who will refuse to do it. At which point, it's no longer a public health tool anyway, because you need a certain percentage. There there were some. Uh, stories that I read that suggested that you really need this on the operating system turned on by default because you need to reach a very high percentage of people who are using it for it Mm -hmm. to have any effect at all that is substantial. So I appreciate that Apple and Google are trying to make this both so that somebody who says, you know, oh, well, you have to choose one or another, they can't make that argument because Apple and Google have chosen both.
0: Apple have announced WWDC is going to begin June 22nd and through the week. It's a
1: tragedy for Upgrade mm-hmm. <laughs> because that that week was going to be episode 300. We hadn't planned it. It was just luck. It's a uh, bounty for Connected mm-hmm. because uh, you guys skipped some episodes and yep. uh, episode 300 will be that week for you guys. So yep. I, I oh, well. got
0: two chances to win. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you got two tickets. <laughs> I got two tickets. And so, yeah, I think we're going to be at like episode 303 or something uh, is going to be WWDC. A week um we'll obviously be drafting our predictions on June fifteenth, yeah, which I'm of course extremely excited for. But we don't have any details. The press release basically just said june twenty second and they announced the student challenge, so it's like a student challenge every year um where uh, students would get a free ride to w w d c if they would complete something. Um, and i'm pleased to see that they're still doing something here and it was the thing that needed to be announced first because that's the only thing this year that has to happen in advance nothing else needs to happen so
1: i had i parsed their i did my little apple chronology thing and i looked at their release and the two things that struck me were one it's a it's a week long event it seems like they are going to stick to the concept of a week-long event. I imagine they're going to have follow-ons throughout the summer, but that the primary stuff is going to drop that week and it's going to be this week-long event. And then, of course, the promise for more information as we get closer, basically. But that that is a little placeholder for Phil Schiller, basically, to say, we're going to make more announcements. We just haven't made them yet. So, Which is great, you know, right?
0: Because like, yeah. we were talking about this, I think, maybe last week or a couple of weeks ago, that They have to announce a date so people can prepare their lives because people aren't traveling, but they do need to free up time to consume and learn and also to start setting development schedules in place, right? Because from now, like we have to still assume that this is coming in September, iOS 14. But we have to make that assumption. We can't make any other assumption until Apple tells us otherwise. So people need to... Work out what their development cycle is going to be. So, they needed to start announcing a date so people could, I believe, so people could start working on that. So, I think that's great. June 22nd, you know, I think this is obviously later in the month than it would have been. Um, I feel like it probably would have been much earlier in the month, but they've given themselves uh, some leeway. Is it the last full week of June? Yeah, it is. It's the last full week of June. So otherwise, it would have yeah. moved into July. And the only thing, other thing I guess we can assume, even though we haven't been told, just because logistically, I don't know how else it would work, that the keynote will be on the morning of the 22nd. Because you can't do anything else. <laughs> that's literally you have to. That's what a keynote is. you got to kick it off.
1: I imagine that would be exactly what we expect, where there will be a keynote, and there will mm. probably even be a deep dive OS session that happens thereafter. Now, the question is, when you're not tethered by reality of like people having to get lunches in boxes and reset the room and all of that will they you know how much time do they leave between streams are they going to leave us enough time to record upgrade <laughs> are they, i mean it's a uh, it's there's there's a lot it doesn't matter
0: as much you know our, our typical uh issue with when we record upgrade was there were like physical movements that needed to occur they aren't happening this time so we'll just record it whenever right like or like we have a live show to go to like, we're not doing any of that this year so we'll just record it as soon as we can after the keynote but the 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 typical constraints that we have aren't the aren't going to be the same so yeah we'll we'll see
1: i'm excited though this is apple's opportunity to rethink wwdc and as somebody who's been going for a long time um, it's a fun event yeah. But you're always going to I mean like being forced to re reevaluate it and rethink it is going to lead to some cool stuff that would never have happened if these circumstances hadn't occurred doesn't mean that the circumstances are good, but it is challenging Apple in a way that um, I think they're going to do some interesting stuff. And I do think that it will have a lasting impact on what we think of as WWDC, even if there is a real event in the future Mm -hmm. and this uh, doesn't go virtual only. I I think that they're, they're going to, they're going to rethink it. And I think, I think we're never going to go back to an era where this event is, primarily for participants in person and only sort of secondarily for everyone else. I think, I feel like from now on, they really are going to say, this is a global event that we that we beam out. <laughs> and then maybe there's also a physical event. Hmm. But we'll see what they do. I'm excited to see all the, our, our, we have to throw the old playbook out the window. We used to know sort of exactly what Apple was going to do. And, and yeah. really, we don't know.
0: So um, I'm looking forward to it. The one thing that I expect to be different from, whatever is the morning announcement, the keynote, I expect that the production values will be much higher because I just expect things to be produced differently. Like the little video that I did for the Magic Keyboard was a very high production value video, right, that Craig did. I expect stuff like that. You know, when I say higher production values, it's like more than a person standing on a stage with slides behind them, you know? Like I, I think it will be more visual- than it oh, typically yeah.
1: is. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if the whole thing is a uh, pre-recorded, uh, you know, oh, video extravaganza. Right? It is
0: not going to be live. Why would you yeah. have it live? You have the advantage of pre-recording.
1: Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is, is you could do it plausibly
0: live. Uh, like live to tape. Yeah. But I don't think they will.
1: No, I, I don't either. I think it will be more like the rollout video that they did for the iPad Pro and the, and the MacBook Air, right, mm-hmm. where they were at, apple and you know having a whole like look at this like you know here's here's craig working on the on the ipad pro with magic keyboard in in the somewhere in apple park right like i think it'll be more like that um but you know i i there's an argument about like emulating the apple keynote style and and i'm sure they've had that discussion but uh is it worth it to make it feel comforting like an apple keynote or is it better for them to just blow
0: the doors off of it and make it something different? I don't know. Today's episode is also brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content is, no matter how effective your marketing is to bring somebody to your page. People are going to bounce if your website's loading too slowly. They either won't be bothered or they'll think it's broken, even if it isn't. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you're able to discover how website performance issues affect your visitors' experiences. So you're able to take action on them before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on the browser, the device, and the platform that they use. So you want to identify how visitors are experiencing your website so you can make informed optimizations from data and deliver a great performance to those who matter most. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, so it is built for scalability, meaning that you're able to monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or breaking the bank. Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com/slash-relayfm right now, and you'll get a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then, when you sign up, if you use the code Upgrade at checkout, you will get an amazing 30% of your first invoice. A thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM. So we met, we very briefly spoke about the 13-inch MacBook Pro last week, right? And. Obviously, you know, the main thing that we spoke about, hooray, keyboard, right? And we all know that. You've reviewed them now. There's no surprises, right? The keyboard is what we wanted it to be. It's the one we want. So excellent.
1: Yeah, there's, that's, that's the thing about it that is a killer from a, a writing perspective or reviewing perspective is the most important feature by far is a thing we've already talked about twice, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's the 16-inch MacBook Pro keyboard. We talked about it a lot then. Talked about it again with the MacBook Air got revised, and now here it is on the 13s.
0: I mean, we even spoke about it with the iPad Pro, right? Like, we've got the Magic yeah. Keyboard there too, right? Like, it's <laughs> right. the keyboard you know and love, right? Like,
1: we know what this keyboard is, and now it's everywhere. Um, but then, okay, fine, but it's a new computer. What about the rest of it? And the thing that I emphasized, and it was really funny to hear the other people talking about the same thing last week, The that it's two of them. And that's my real question, is there's two 13-inch MacBook Pros, mm. and... We treat them like one, and we shouldn't, because for a few a few years now, there's really been two models with the same name, and it's the two-port version and the four-port version. Mm-hmm. The two-port version used to be the Escape back when it didn't have a touch bar, but then it got a touch bar. So really, Apple's always differentiated them as two versus four um, Thunderbolt ports. But the truth is, like they did update the two-port one last year um, a little bit to give it sort of the new materials keyboard, and I think they did a little processor update, but basically... It didn't get touched other than the keyboard this year. Yep, the four port one got new processors. It's still just kind of a speed bump, but they did get some other spec things. Well, the
0: graphics, you know, like that, the the better graphics are only in the new one. Well, right? it's
1: embed, it's it's their Intel embedded graphics, so it's a function of it being a tenth generation yep. Intel. It's an Ice Lake processor, so um, that's why the graphics are better. And in fact, that's uh, the focus of that generation is improved. Uh, embedded graphics so the graphics support gets a lot faster the truth is if you're coming from a an old macbook pro with the old keyboard and you've been holding out all this time it's going to be a huge performance jump regardless Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. you're getting a modern computer but i i have some ongoing questions about what about the weirdness of that two port 13 inch um which is it's just it feels a little bit strange to me and then there's also the issue that they didn't do a rethink of the whole product like they did for the 16-inch MacBook Pro. And that that's... Other than the fact that there were some rumors that they were going to do that and it didn't happen, this is a pretty standard speed bump and that's fine, but it, it does make you wonder, like, the 16-inch got a whole rethink with smaller bezels and a bigger screen and the better sound system, input and output, and the 13-inch didn't not even the four port model yeah. and that's that, that so those are the two beyond the keyboard the two kind of overriding things that i walked away from my review i got the four port one to review
0: mm-hmm.
1: so the two of port course. one which, which is fine because there, there's nothing but the keyboard in the in the two port one that, that was different but i think it's uh I, you know it, it's it's the last part of this transition the the fact that they've gotten the butterfly keyboard out of all their laptops is the big story here but i do still think that this is a weird laptop line for apple because they've got this this low end 13 and i you know i was asking the question last week and i asked it in my review why does this product exist and i know why it exists it exists to hit some price points that apple doesn't have for other products it is more powerful than the air Um, Not a lot, but it is more powerful than the Air and it has a better cooling system and there are reasons you would get it. Although I kept coming back to the thought that if you really need a pro, you should probably, if you can at all afford it, buy the four-port model. And if you are price averse, you probably should just buy an Air. I'm not sure that two-port model is a great buy because it's last year's processor update and appreciably less than the four port model in so many ways. And the air is so good that it's a really narrow window for that two port model. I get why it's there, but it still also feels like a function of the original sin of the MacBook escape of like thinking it was the air replacement and it it really wasn't. And then they brought the air back. Um, And it feels to me, I don't know about you, Mike, but it feels to me a little bit like Apple is doing kind of like the keeping everything going, uh, but maybe a change is in the offing, right? Like if the ARM processor rumors are true, like why revamp your product line now when you're going to revamp your product line in a
0: year? Hmm. And I guess, all right, so let me put a pin in that in a second so I can come back around to it from what okay. I was going to say, which is that the MacBook Pro branding is a mess right now. It's a mess because there are three laptops that are very very different, but they're all named yep. MacBook Pro. Right? Uh-huh. The 16- inch MacBook Pro may as well be a different computer like it is as different to the other MacBook Pro as the MacBook Air is to that right like they are shared things but it's got a completely different internal architecture. It has a bigger screen for its body right like that is a modern that's the most modern laptop that Apple makes but then there's another MacBook Pro and another MacBook Pro and they're all different from each other and one of them is closer to the MacBook Air. And so, like, the yeah. MacBook Pro branding is is messed up right now. So, But that comes back to what you were just saying, right? Like, well, what if there isn't... Well, we know that the ARM transition is coming. We don't know where it's going to start sitting, right? Like, what what products are going to be affected? So you start looking at what's available, right? And you think to yourself, well, you know, we're all coming to, around to the idea that, oh, they'll keep the iMac Pro because the iMac will become ARM, right? Like, that seems like a possibility. And then there'll be a laptop. We expect it to be like a MacBook Air, right? Like a cheaper laptop. But what if there's a MacBook Pro that's ARM-powered and it's going to be different to the 16-inch? And the reason they updated the 16-inch is because Apple want to have, for their Pro customers, their most powerful machines and architecture they already know. So the iMac Pro stays Intel, the Mac Pro stays Intel, and the 16-inch MacBook Pro, which is always going to be the most powerful one, stays Intel. And that's going to be a longer period of time. But everything else... Moves to ARM with, but in 2021. So if that's the case, don't blow your new designed MacBook Pro 14-inch on the Intel chip. Wait and do it on the ARM right. chip. Maybe could be,
1: could be. But it does it does feel like there are too many products that aren't well differentiated.
0: There are too many MacBook Pros, and they're all too different, and it's a mess. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. I do I do wonder about the MacBook Air, only because it's a very popular computer, and so you would think that an ARM MacBook Air would make a lot of sense. I also watched as Apple tried to kill it and failed, and it came back. Um, you would think that they could make a thin, light MacBook-style, 12-inch MacBook-style laptop on ARM, and it would be great. But that laptop didn't didn't sell so well, and they brought the Air back. And so I'm not sure they're going to do anything other than keep the air around, whether if it's I'm, ARM if I'm or not.
0: whoever's in charge of this, my ARM laptop would be MacBook Air. Because when, when Apple make the move to ARM, this isn't like a test. This is the future, right? Like, they will go into this and they will go into it hard because they want to move everyone. So you put... If you're going to really, like, put all your chips on the table... You do it to the MacBook Air because it's the machine that sells the most, assumably, right? I think, I don't know if we noticed, but we assume, right, that the MacBook Air is Apple's best selling Mac, probably, right? It's either that or the MacBook or like the 13 inch MacBook Pro. But let's just assume amongst their non pro customers, people will buy MacBook Airs, lots of them. Otherwise, why else is that branding still existing? So if you really want to go heavy, you put the ARM chip in the MacBook Air because that's the one everyone's going to keep buying. So then you can convince your Mac developers to say, well, you know, you really should support our ARM computers now because the MacBook Air has it and you know how many of your customers use that. So that might be the idea, right? Like, I think it would be not good to have another laptop that is the ARM laptop. I think that's just going to make things super confusing in a way... That was proven with the MacBook's existence didn't help anything to have like, here is our fifth laptop option for you. And this one has a different chip inside and you shouldn't have to worry about that. Like, I don't know if that's a good idea. I could imagine the MacBook, like, look at this new MacBook Air. It has 20 hours battery life and it's thinner and it's lighter and it has a nicer screen. And like, you know what I mean? Like, I can imagine yeah. that kind of Thing for it, but I don't know. The the thing that seems interesting to me because, again, like I was talking about this last week, I am trying to work out what laptops will be right for our family, right? Like, I need a new laptop, Adina needs a new laptop. We've been waiting until Apple turned over the whole line before we made our decisions. So, I started pricing things up, and it starts getting really weird when you start comparing some of these machines. Spe- yes, I spec. heard you
1: do this on, on connected a little bit. Where yeah. Yeah, you can make a very expensive MacBook Air. At which point, it seems weird. But th- that's kind of my point, though. Is you can make a MacBook Air that's so expensive that you might as well get the four port base model of the of the thirteen inch mm-hmm. MacBook Pro. But that's kind of my point. Is but there's also another laptop in between those <laughs> two. That's weird. But uh, but yeah, you're right. It, it's um, it's kind of all over the place, and you've got to make some decisions and. I, you know, somebody might choose the two-port model of the 13-inch uh, for good reasons, but I look at it and I think that's a pretty narrow window and that and you probably need to either fu- firmly commit to the high end mm-hmm. or you need to just say, you know, the MacBook Air. Because I, I had a couple of people on Twitter last week say, well, yeah, but, you know, you use the MacBook Air for video editing or... Uh, audio editing and uh or develop and it, it's uh it's low powered and the fans have to run and it can't take it and like I've edited video I've edited 4K video <laughs> on a
0: MacBook Air I've edited podcast on have a MacBook Air 1080p video on a MacBook 12 inch MacBook you know it can be done so I think you're there there are probably cases
1: where the MacBook Air is is inappropriate uh, yeah, that's why they make pro laptops but the MacBook Air, the current 2020 MacBook Air, is very capable. It's a very capable mm-hmm. machine. So I think you downgrade it at your, at your peril uh, mm-hmm. to say that people who are even doing things like editing video and audio can't use it. So I think it's a, I think it's a very capable computer, at which point, if you need more than that, you probably should shell out for the 4-port 13. Um, I like your theory, by the way. I I keep thinking about the MacBook, the 12-inch MacBook, and wonder if, there isn't room in the ARM laptop line for a tiny fanless laptop. Although at this point, given what happened before, I don't know, maybe you call that the 12 inch MacBook Air <laughs> or something like that, and like pair it yeah. and have two MacBook Airs and two MacBook Pros or something like yeah. that. I don't know. I mean, this is why the the I mean, the people at Apple, this is why they get paid <laughs> paid pretty yeah. well. Is these are hard decisions to navigate uh, what the products are and at what price points and you can see what happens when you get something a little bit wrong because I think that's why that two-port MacBook Pro exists is that they kind of made a mistake and are
0: still paying for it. Yeah, and it's like they doubled down on it in weird ways like giving it the touch bar which is super strange. Like, oh, you made so, the computer mm. more expensive and made it harder to differentiate from the others and gave it a feature that hasn't that Apple's not seem to believe in enough.
1: So this is this is another thing that I ranted about on this show. I remember it. So you can go back and listen to, I don't know, was that one maybe when the 16 or maybe it was mm-hmm. last summer, but I've I've done a, t- a touch bar rant before. But every time I get one of these, so I don't own a computer with a touch bar. Uh, we got a lot of MacBook Airs in this house. I don't own a computer with a touch bar. So every time I get a review unit, review unit from Apple, I do one of those, let's check in on the touch bar. Mm-hmm. And it's never any different. Because over the course of all this time since they introduced the touch bar, which was years ago now, multiple revisions of macOS, they've done nothing to improve it. They've, they, there are a couple minor changes that you would not even notice if you came forward in time from when they introduced it. It's basically they've done nothing. And to your point, it is a little bit baffling about doubling down like, no, we have added the touch bar to this model too, when Apple like is acting like it's confident about the touch bar and yet has apparently given no real software backing to it. And, and and I know that there are things like better touch tool there. Are, there are tools that are, you can kind of use to hack the touch bar to make it more useful. But every time I get a touch bar laptop, I am shocked at how poorly Apple software supports it. Like there's no third party access to the control strip. You can't do sort of global stuff. The limit there are obviously, developer limitations there are some great examples of the touch bar fully formed but um, a lot of apps just don't have any proper touch bar support bb edit is the one that i was playing with my favorite mac app basically and it's got three touch bar buttons in its editor and there to show the sidebar which i hate and i keep closed and to move between items in the sidebar it's like there's no way for me to add my scripts on there, my filters for me to do, like, I can't do anything with it. And, you know, yes, that is to a certain degree on bare software for not doing it. But also like, if you were them, would you prioritize the touch bar? I mean, there's a chicken and egg thing happening there too. But, um, if I could like, if I could have a keyboard maestro with direct access to the touch bar and program it to do stuff in a certain way, that would be different, but it doesn't work. And the third-party stuff like Better Touch Tool is hacky enough that it it works, but like they're working hard to work around Apple's limitations because Apple's done nothing. There's there's my mini touch bar rant. Every time I get one of these touch bars in my house, I use it thinking I'm going to find something different, and I never, ever find anything different, which I think makes me ask the question, is it really... A dead product? Is it really a dead product? And they couldn't walk away so. from it?
0: No, I don't, I don't
1: see how you could. I know you're a believer in this. Well, they could. No, they it's could. not
0: even about my own opinions on it. Like, I think it would be really difficult to add a little screen to a keyboard and then in the next revision replace it with keys again
1: what if it was a whole new product because you were doing a, a, a processor transition i mean <laughs> and you kept it on the high-end laptop that's going to stay on intel and stay around for a while
0: maybe i mean i i just don't know how
1: i i'm not advocating for killing the touch bar by the way but mm-hmm. i am advocating for apple
0: if it's going to have it it needs to like put effort into. I it. agree with that. Right, there should be more there. It feels like for me the touch bar is really loved by the hardware team because it was something that maybe was really hard to do and so they put oh, it yeah. on all the hardware they can put conceivably put it on, but the operating system team doesn't care about it.
1: Yeah, they they did the obligatory amount to yep. get it launched yep. and then they've let it sit there by the side of the road. And, and it's like again, I rarely see this level of dysfunction From Apple, Mm -hmm. where, like, from the outside, you can say it seems clear that you don't have alignment in your teams about this product. Like, you literally one group is really hot on this feature, and the other group doesn't want to have anything to do with it. And everybody can tell because they've done nothing, they've made no effort. It's either that, or they've decided internally that it's a failure and they're going to kill it as soon as they can. Uh, As soon as the pride permits them to kill it. And in the meantime, they're not going to put any effort into it. It's one of those two things. Either it's a badly managed product where some part of Apple just doesn't want to do the work. There are more important things to do. Um, or I guess, or they're deluded and they think that there's literally nothing they could ever add to it to make it any better, which is totally wrong. Or they've decided it's a loser and they're not going to waste their time on it and they're going to get rid of it as soon as they can. But it's so frustrating every time I see it because it's a cool idea and I'm not opposed to it in general. And yet in, in specific, when I try to use it, it doesn't do anything I want it to do mm-hmm. and I can't edit it to make it do something I want it to do because that's not possible.
0: I was listening to um, Dithering, which is Ben Thompson and John Gruber's new show, which I really enjoy, and they were talking about this, and they they were actually praising your review, and one of the things that John was saying was comparing the touch bar to the introduction of the iPhone, in the sense of, like, there's no buttons on the iPhone, because if you... Have a if you you can't ship a new button. That was Steve Jobs' idea, right? Like once you put the buttons on the phone, and the phone is in people's hands, you want to change something in the software. You can't send them a new button to do something new. So they decided to have a complete touchscreen. So the buttons are all software. You can do whatever they want with them. That idea should have made it like should make the touch bar a great thing, right? Like you can't ship new buttons to a laptop. The right. buttons are already there. But you've got a screen. You can put any button you want. It could be any interaction method yep. you want. That's the promise of the touch bar, but it feels like it hasn't been realized yet. And the the what I have used, I enjoy it from a basic level. But also I want more because I like it. Right. Like I want there to be yep. more in it. Because there is you know, if we've made it work with iOS, right? With like Buttons, then you can make it work with the touch bar. There can, there can be more there. It just has yet to be seen. But I liked the comparison of the original iPhone there, right? Like, you make more with having a screen. The buttons can be anything. that can change. They can change in the next software update. You can do whatever you want. You add more functionality to your software that wasn't there when the computer shipped. Well, now you don't, that doesn't matter because you can do whatever you want mm-hmm. with it, right? Like it's it's available to you. So we'll
1: and see. things that things that are are key proxies and things that are not at all key proxies that are whole little UIs on there, like they've done in Logic and Final Cut and all that, and mm-hmm. that's fine. And we can debate the finer points of like do those interfaces work and is that the right place for it and it should even be there. But if we accept the idea that the touch bar. Is an interesting interface element replacing a bunch of keys that aren't that interesting. Why has it not evolved? I mean, Mac OS, every time they do an update, there's a hundred new features, a thousand new features about this and that thing, and they tweak this and they tweak that. They have this brand new interface element. Anyway, you know, I've said it before. It, it's just, it really disappoints me. It baffles me. Um, I want to like the touch bar more than i do and it's not because i've decided i hate the touch bar it's that every time i bring one of these in it's an opportunity to see it anew because i don't live with a touch bar on a mac in my house and then i'm immediately reminded that it hasn't changed and is just disappointing and there's nothing i can do to make it better because it's not customizable in any real way and yeah anyway um it's a mystery and among mysteries, <laughs> the big point is that all the butterfly keyboards are gone, right? Like that, that is, we can talk about all these other issues because the truth is we've said all we can say about the keyboard. They fixed the keyboard. This is a much better keyboard on this laptop. If you've been waiting five years for a 13-inch laptop, a 13-inch MacBook Pro, go buy it. It's it's here for you now. This it's is just the, all the MacBook details Pro that you wonder.
0: wanted but couldn't get for a few years, right? Like,
1: Yeah, I, I would wager there are lots of people out there with like 2015 MacBook Pros who have been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the butterfly keyboard to go away so they could buy another one. And they probably already purchased these, right? They probably already have. But that is the, that is the number one thing that is
0: going on here. And uh, it's a good thing. I have an ask upgrade question which is just building on this a little bit uh so we'll we'll kind of finalize our thoughts on Whether or not you should buy this and from from what avenue coming from after this break, where we thank our final sponsor, which is our friends over at Smile. And I want to tell you about PDF Pen. PDF Pen 12 is the ultimate tool for editing PDFs on the Mac. It is a new version that adds tons of wonderful new features, like allowing you to optimize your PDFs to get smaller file sizes with customizable image compression settings, plus, Built in DocuSign support for digitally signing PDFs, which is amazing. And the magnifier window lets you magnify any part of a document independently of the document's zoom level, as well as another great new feature. PDF Pen supports Apple Script, so you can automate actions on the Mac. It's and is fully supported with macOS Catalina. And PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone supports iOS 13 and the Apple Pencil. I personally love doing that. Um, I also find PDF Pen really useful on my iPhone. I sign contracts on my iPhone. Like I'm, you know, like I'm busy. I'm, I'm just, you know, I've just got my phone with me. someone needs me to sign something, I could just open it up with PDF Pen. One of the things I actually really like. I was talking to my friend Federico Faticci about this today because he was mentioning an app that he wished supported a feature that PDF Pen does, which is um, in iOS. It's called Open in Place. So this is the idea of being able to edit a document without creating a new version of it, and this is something that a lot of apps do not support very well on ios um, but pdf pen does so i can open i can use pdf pen i can open a pdf that is in dropbox on my ios devices and sign it and it just gets saved to the file it doesn't create a duplicate file that i have to override so i really like that about pdf pen it's just like a, a little thing which they added but it to people that use this stuff a lot makes a big difference. But anyway, the big new release is PDF Pen 12 for the Mac. Go to slash podcast right now. If you do any work with PDFs, you should check out PDF Pen. Our thanks to PDF Pen from Smile for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Jason, beginning our hashtag askupgrade questions today is a question from David. David says, I have a 2013 13 inch MacBook Pro. It's old, but I was determined that I would skip the butterfly keyboard. Congratulations, David, you did that. Uh, now, finally, I can replace it, except maybe I want to wait a little bit longer for a possible 14-inch update. Maybe we have an ARM processor. Should I wait or pull the trigger?
1: Uh, part of me wants to say you've waited this long, you, just, you can wait forever. The other part of me says, no, you've done your work. You've done more than your work. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not wait. I would not have waited this long, quite frankly, but yeah. I would not wait any longer. Yeah, I, it's I think it's you time. You can wait forever. Yes. You'll wait forever. The big the big gating issue, which was the keyboard, is gone for you now, so I would just do it. There, there, there will always be new stuff in the future that will be better than what you're currently buying, and you could wait forever. So I, I'd say you've reached your reward now. You, Your seven years in the wilderness
0: is over. Because it's like, yeah, there they will be on laptops at some point, but you don't know about the potential downsides of them right now. So don't wait for something that is really unknown. Uh, so that that would be my thinking. Because if it takes another year, well, now you're using a 2013 laptop in 2021, right? It's just yeah, like, no. that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's just going to keep getting worse and worse for you. And as Jason mentioned, if you have something like a 2013 macbook pro and you move to a 2020 macbook pro either of those are going to feel amazing right like especially if you go for the for the the correct one right which is the four port you're going to have a whale of a time like you're going to be you're going to be great over there it's going to be amazing so i think now's the time you're probably good to move piano junkie asks probably a fan of pianos would be my would be my expectation Uh, Have either of you guys had problems with your AirPods Pro? Both the right and left of my AirPods have been replaced by Apple about six weeks apart due to a rattling sound when any movement is present. Curious if anybody else has had this problem. I want to talk about this, Jason, because I'm sure like me, you've had many people contact you and say, why aren't you talking about this? Of course. They usually
1: send a tweet and they uh-huh. include me and Gruber and Rene Ritchie and often Marco Arment all mm-hmm. in a big group like CC everyone. Why aren't you talking about my problem? Well, that I'm happens on those tweets too. what I'm saying. Uh,
0: yeah. Oh, good. So Enjoy. I wanted to talk about this because it does seem to be a widespread problem, but I don't even know what a rattling sound in my AirPods Pro would be like... I have no. I mean, there are.
1: It it, it may be that there's like a little thing in there that gets. that can come detached and all that. It sounds like this is a problem with a. a widespread is. What does that mean? It sounds like this is a problem with some AirPods Pro and you report it and Apple gives you a new one.
0: Yeah. It's. I was. When I say widespread, it is a problem enough that Apple have made a support document for it. So it isn't just like Mm. a very small thing. Like it's happening enough that they have created some steps that you should take. Um, And it seems to be that the problem is mostly with noise cancellation. Now, I use noise cancellation on my AirPods Pro all the time, so I've not had this issue. Yeah, me too. One thing I have had recently is Bluetooth connection problems with my iPad Pro. So when I'm using them connected to my iPad Pro, I can hear that, like, I can't explain it. It's not rattling, but it's like pops, right? And I know that's a connection problem. This mm-hmm. is only happening when I'm using my Logitech mouse, which makes sense because there is a warning in the Bluetooth settings that say, "quote <laughs> Using the MX Ergo, which is a Logitech mouse that I use, may affect Wi-Fi and Bluetooth connectivity." So that is happening, right? That, but, yeah. but I don't, I'm not going to write to Apple support on that because they've already told me it's a problem. And if I connect, right. if I can then connect my AirPods to my iPhone instead, I don't have this problem. So, like, there is a an issue about mouse there, like whatever. I like using the mouse. If the problem also persists, I could just turn off the mouse and use the trackpad.
1: But, I mean, the, the bottom line is if you have a physical problem with your AirPods, you should contact Apple and talk to them about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I guess we could write stories saying some like, – it's the usual thing. I, I've talked about it here before. It's very hard to get a sense of whether you, – if you make millions of something, some of them are going to be bad. And the question is, is it 0.1%, 0.01%, 1%, 10%? 50 yeah. percent we don't well, know um, but the th- the thing is if it's a flaw and app i'd say contact apple support because like some products are going to be fa- flawed and presumably if it's a physical flaw they will send you new ones and if it's a software problem maybe they're working on it um i i, I haven't seen any reports that apple says it's not a problem and is ignoring it which would would put my you know, attention more to it. Like all these people are having problems with their AirPods and Apple denies that it's a problem, but that doesn't seem to be what's happening. I haven't, I haven't seen anything like this. I did have my AirPods completely cease to function this week mm-hmm. and, and um, it looked like they were out of battery and it, they wouldn't charge. So I ended up plugging them in to, um, they wouldn't charge wirelessly so I ended up plugging them in directly holding down the button doing the like the restart the complete reset thing I did that twice and then when they came back it came back with uh the battery at 0% on all on the case and on one of the airpods but not the other one hmm. uh and then they repaired and they charged and then they were fine um but that was a weird thing that I uh, I experienced where it just got really confused, um, and the battery wasn't dead or shouldn't have been dead. I think something very strange happened, and it went out of control, and it discharged, and it was bad. Huh. But I haven't, I haven't heard the rattling problem. But it sounds like some people have, mm-hmm. and um, Apple support is the place to do this because if this is a physical problem, I, I, I'm very confident that they will replace your your earbuds.
0: Mm-hmm. But so like with this stuff, like I think it's very clear that we tend to talk from our personal experience. And it's it's very hard to talk about a thing that has happened or is happening if it hasn't happened to me. Like, Sure. I, I don't know what a rattling and, sound is. And
1: and again, if 40... Because like, when, when these things happen, I'm not saying this in particular, but when stuff like this happens, they will always point you at a bunch of Apple support forum po- posts and say, see, this is a huge problem. And they'll link to like four threads where eight people said that they had the problem. Mm-hmm. It's like... I can't tell if it's these eight people or 80 people or 8,000 people or 80,000 people. I just, there's no way to tell. The internet doesn't let us do that. So it's very hard because you could write a story. I'm sure some site does write a story about every single one of these, but like it's hard to tell. And in this case, it's a potential hardware product, a hardware problem on a product that's so new that if you have a problem with it the manufacturer, which is Apple, is going to fix it because mm-hmm. this is a new product and it has a physical problem in some small percentage, presumably, of these. So, yeah, there it is.
0: All right, our next question comes from Holmes. Uh, While sleep tracking for Apple Watch has been heavily rumored, do you think that if it, it will materialize as an announced feature for Watch OS 7 for all watches or an exclusive feature for the Series 6 watch? Depends on the hardware, right? Mm, I think it's going to be a Watch Series 6 thing. Well, itself. I mean, this
1: is this is like the always-on,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where the, the question is, is it special hardware that enables it, or is it really just the battery life pushing it across the finish line? Because I, I feel like Series 5... Could probably do this in terms of battery life, but it may be that they've got some special features in the Series Six hardware that enable it to get through the, you know, get through the night in, well, and, you know, and, and for me, I think it comes down to that. I, I don't think Apple. Apple might withhold this feature, but more likely what happens is this feature has been crafted for the hardware, right? Like mm-hmm. the, it is uh, it is more likely that Apple has built the feature with the hardware in mind and the hardware with the feature in mind than it is that it's just a software thing that they didn't get to that now they've gotten to. Um, because, it, you know, you could do either one. Um, and that's why I'm not putting out the possibility that they'll say, yeah, Series 5 can really do this too. So we put it in both of them. Um, but it may be that they, the reason Series 5 doesn't do this is not that they hadn't gotten around to it. It's that they weren't satisfied with the performance of sleep tracking on the Series 5, and they made changes in Series 6 so that they could launch that feature. And if that's true, then it will be limited to Series 6.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, but I also do feel that like at a certain point you need to come up with new features to sell watches, and so sometimes you might want to just restrict the software feature to it, even if technically another watch could do it. Yeah, it's funny
1: really it's it's features like this and its sensors right cuz like the the series 5 really only had the difference of the always on mm-hmm. but that was such a huge feature that that was a big differentiator mm-hmm. how do you sell a series 6 watch and i think i think you're right you have to say now with sleep tracking or you know now with this
0: new sensor mm-hmm. like that has to be a thing uh, and maybe like this is the thing. I would actually like to file a complaint at this point about the always on okay. watch face. Yes. It defaults to that like digital, basic digital face when you have an app open far too quickly. So, wow. like, I've been using a workout app, like a third party app, but it's got like a remote for moving through the exercises. And I so often have to tap it and then tap it again. Oh, that's annoying, so I feel like it's not you know like the i am not getting the promise of the always on face like I think they need to do something for third party developers to be able to kind of have for sure not an always on face but like an always on app that like it's always ready right because the workout app doesn't do that, but that's their app exactly and and i I want there to be something I don't know what, but I feel like it's it goes to that. I mean, all apps that you use, right? Like it, it defaults to that ugly uh, just blank screen with a digital like time readout in the top right-hand corner and the screen is kind of semi-translucent. It goes to that very quickly and I would prefer if they could find some way to sh- just show me the app UI instead of, of when I have an application open then that clock. So, or like if you're going to force me to to have to look at something, show me my actual Watch face that I chose rather than this weird one that you're showing me instead. So it's just a, an issue I have with the with the the watch face because really, like if you remember, the pitch was like, "Oh, people are working out and they have to tap it with their nose." Ha 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 ha. Right. I'm still having to do that when I'm working out. Right. Because
1: you're using a third party workout app, and, yeah. it's, and its screensaver is not the information you want to see exactly.
0: And Apple's workout app can't give me what I need in that moment. Right. Right. So I would like to see some more there. Uh, John asks, do you think there will be a face mask emoji option in iOS 14? I feel like it should be added before, like, embrace it, you know? This is a thing that people are doing now, put face masks in them, right? Yeah, I, like I think like it's so. a thing, I thought like they should just do it. Yeah,
1: sure, why not? And it's also, it's
0: an emoji, the, there's an emoji face mask? Yeah. So why not? I feel like really it should have been an option before now, right? Like... This is one of those maybe U.S. centric ideas, right? That they didn't do it before mm. now, but they had other types of like accessories. Last question comes from Andrew. Andrew asks, "What is the worst Apple product that you have ever owned?" Go, you go first. The 2013 trash can Mac Pro. I owned one of those. Oh right, remember?
1: Yeah, and you had problem. You had actual like technical problems with it, where yes. it behaved weirdly and restarted and stuff.
0: It would lock up when I was recording sometimes. It was like a... This 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 was one of the GPU overheating issues, is what it ended up working out to be. Or It was like a GPU issue. And so I would be recording, say, with Jason. It happened a lot when recording with Jason. And yes. uh, the machine would just lock up, and all I could do was turn off the machine and sometimes I would lose audio. I would lose some of the recording and would have to, like, piece it together via various backup means, and it was such a nightmare, such a pain. And it was something that happened frequently, but inconsistently, which is like the worst kind of bug, right? (laughs) All the time, but you can never predict when it's going to happen. And it just made it that like, I was always under so much stress while trying to do my work because I was just waiting for the inevitable lockup of my machine. I was so happy to get rid of that thing. Sold it on eBay. Nice. told told the guy th- th- that was buying it about the problems they didn't mind like they needed it for a specific reason and it was the machine that they needed so they went for it so like target practice or something who knows who knows just fancy. I don't know maybe like a Stephen Hackett type person needed it for a collection I don't know mm-hmm. but yeah I was so happy to replace that thing with the iMac the Retina iMac that I replaced it with that was such a mistake buying that computer but I had no idea nobody knew at the time how much of a mistake it was going to be Right. but it was a terrible one So have you thought of something?
1: Yeah. The third generation iPod. Which one was that one? So, this is the one where Apple's war on buttons uh, and moving parts meant that they decided to do an interface where instead of having the buttons around the scroll wheel, they put four touch sensitive buttons across the top right under the uh, display. Okay, yep. Which was one generation. And you talk about Apple like sticking to their technology even after it's clear that nobody likes it. That was gone immediately just like the no the no button ipod shuffle where it was one generation they're like nope and they went back to the old design this was like that too it was so bad because if you're operating your ipod on feel which people did like that was the whole point is it wasn't like a computer you wanted to use you really wanted to just uh you know uh, pause it <laughs> pause the the track you you couldn't operate this thing on feel because the buttons, if you touched them to f- get the feel, they would activate, and it was so frustrating. And this was when my kids were little, and I remember very much. I, I, I had a bunch of times where there was a bedtime, and you had you. I would read to them, and they would fall asleep, but you had to wait for them to completely fall asleep before you could leave the room, or they would wake up. So you're putting them to bed. You got a there's a there was a period where you just had to sit there, and I would mm. use my iPod. And I would listen to music, or a podcast maybe, I don't know, maybe not, on my iPod. Probably too early. On my iPod to pass the time before they're like super asleep. And it's dark in the room and I can't see the iPod. And, I, and it would always just get screwed up because I would touch a button. and be like, no, I didn't mean to touch that button. And it's just the accidental button presses, but they're not even presses. It, literally, it was capacitive. You just brush against one of them, and it's like you push that button. It was, a, it was terrible. It was such a bad idea. And the previous iPods were so good. And the successive iPods,
0: the subsequent iPods,
1: were all good. That one... Was a loser. Yeah, I Just don't terrible. like
0: that one. I don't like that the lights were red. I don't like that. I don't know why they choose red as the illumination because it didn't match anything else. It should have been blue, if anything, right, to actually match the color of the screen. So, like this was the the one where it was in between. So the the first and second gen, the wheel was physically moving, right, and then they went to a solid state wheel, but four solid state buttons, and then the fourth gen, yeah. which is the where they actually perfected it, was the scroll was touch but then you could click on the four like up down left and right to do things yeah that was like a like a trackpad kind of almost and then Mm -hmm. it never changed on any ipod any ipod that had the wheel it had that wheel
1: but like Um, that ring around the wheel was great like the first
0: generation the wheel spun the
1: second generation the wheel was like touch but it felt like it spun even though it didn't but the ring around the wheel so you could orient like up menu down, paw, you know, button in the center, pause, or button at the bottom, pause, whatever. Like You knew them, and you could do it all by feel. So you could carry it in your pocket, and you could just reach in and go boop and, and do whatever you need. Next track, play, pause. All of that got moved onto those little touch-sensitive buttons, and it was garbage.
0: If memory serves, on an episode of Flashback, I believe Steven said that he loved this iPod. I think it was his first one. And I was upset then, and I'm upset now. It's not a good... It's just... It's the worst iPod. Like, it is of the, of the classic iPod. it is the worst apple product i have personally owned wow take that hack in. <laughs> yes. i guess oh, i mean am just answering chat. andrew's he's question in discord. steven's in the discord answering live yep it was his favorite so
1: <laughs>
0: Sorry. no he was agreeing with me that it was the worst apple product ever that's like, what he was doing i'm sure. Okay yeah I'm sure we'll, see. We'll, see. we'll save that for another time <laughs> if you'd like to send in a question to help us close out an episode of Upgrade uh, no matter what question you have hashtag ask Upgrade and it may be included in a future episode again if you want to become a FM member support the show and get into the uh, FM members discord you can uh, there's a link right at the top of the show notes to support Upgrade or you can go to Relay.fm membership to learn more and sign up thank you so much to everybody that does that R- really 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 means a lot to us uh, thank you so much for your continued support. Also, thanks to Smile, Pingdom, and DoorDash for their support of this show. Thank you again for listening. Thanks to Jason for joining me. As always, you can find Jason's work at sixcolors.com. Jason is at Jasonell, J S E L L L. Social media. Jason also produces many shows here at Relay FM, as well as on The Incomparable. You can go to incomparable.com to find more there. I am I Mike, I M Y K E, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, my curly.